You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'd like to begin this podcast by recognising the traditional owners of the land in which it is recorded. I pay respect to their elders past, present and those emerging. I'm looking for a different like duffel bag. Right, yep. I like duffel bags that uh, roll up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you duffel bag guy, yeah, yeah. Because if you're not like you know, I uh, are we recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. I initially got into the duffel bag game when I was uh, killing people, but no, it's uh, I've, I've retired. From it was that or barrels? They're the big two. Duffel bags and, or barrels? And Snowtown ruined that for everyone. <laughs> But I got this great duffel bag in LA mm. at uh, the farmer's market, and it was like $20 US. Right. And the versatility of this bag knew no bounds. It was just, it always surprised me. Yeah. I was like, it's like it was its own entity, its own being. Uh, every time I'd talk to it occasionally, and I'd say, listen, man, we assume you're a man, and. Uh, <laughs> We we've got a big flight on. You 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 weigh at least fifty kilos. Let's do this. Yeah. And I would walk on with it as carry on. I and love it would, that. Yeah, it would get on. And so and then when it was like only one kilo, yeah, I could roll it into a bag and put it in my backpack. That's great. I had a friend that used to always think that their luggage was carry on. It never was, and they always went to the airport with the same bag. <laughs> <laughs> and it was always a surprise to them. Like, I'd, I'd travel with them doing festivals and stuff, and every single time they'll take the same bag and just expect it was a different result. And that's the definition of insanity, doing the yeah. same, same thing and expecting different results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's rocking out with the same <laughs> luggage. Um, hey, let's, let's get into the, let's the do podcast. Let's do it, man. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm joined by comedian, actor, the wonderful... Ash Williams. Do you define yourself in any other way? What, what else should I say? Just I, the I, wonderful. I, just the wonderful. Yeah. The wonderful. Podcast extraordinaire. Yeah. Um... How would I describe myself? The I let people describe me. Yeah, you don't need to. No, let them do some of the work. No, I think um, Ash Williams. Ash Williams. It's fine. Just say Ash Williams. Yeah, yeah. Because for for me, like I've always been a big fan of you, and and probably I probably found you through the team effort podcast. Yeah, you know, and I've always loved that, and then saw you do stand up quite a bit. Always, and then you were with Steel Saunders quite a lot. You well, catching up with Steel in LA. Oh, great. Next week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So the, the way this podcast starts, Ash, is I ask nature or nurture, what, what do you think's been more influential on you? And then we talk about Beautiful. things that you've done. So, look, what, what do you think's been more influential on you? That was also AKA from Sam, don't interrupt. <laughs> this podcast has a structure. A structure. Stop talking uh, about duffel bags. <laughs> Um, so what's, what's, uh, you know what, man, it's a fucking, uh, tough question. Mm. Nature or nurture? Um, I would say, well, it's both. It's absolutely both. But like, if you need to put your chips on one, um, it's probably nurture. Yeah. Well, where, where did you grow up? 
I grew up in um, Glenaris. Yeah, okay. And and what was the what was like like what was it like growing up and what what did you think that you were going to going to go on and do? Well, I always wanted to be a famous tennis player. Right. So I was trying to become a professional tennis player until I was about sixteen. Really? Yeah. So I used to travel around Australia playing the tournaments, uh, getting my ranking. I had a ranking. Were you doing that all through school as well? Yeah. Shit. Yeah. I never knew this about you. No. So what was the what was the thing about like did you see someone growing up that you were like, I want to be like them? Um well yeah. I think uh, you know, Stefan Edberg and Pat Cash and um you know, I'll leave out Boris Becker, but you know, it's um your idols and I just loved the I think I loved the fame and the attention. Sure. So you know, whenever I used to imagine myself at Wimbledon, it would be the full crowd. Yeah. And they're all clapping. All cheering. And they're all cheering. And you've got the box there and you've got the beautiful wife and family and my mum's there and uh, the family. And um, yeah, it uh, it's a hard game though, tennis, to, be, to make it as a pro. So all through high school, were you training every day? Like how often would you train? Yeah, every day. Every day? Yeah. You had a coach or you had a club that you were with? I had a club. Uh, so no, I had a coach and I... Kind of jumped around clubs. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think once I started, because I was pretty sheltered, I didn't really, I didn't have my first kiss until I was 15. Right. Didn't drink my first beer until I was 15. Yep. So, so big, big year for you. Huge, man. Yeah, so yeah. 15, the wheels came off and um, you you think, you've got that sliding doors moment. You're like, geez, do I want to live my life a bit more? Yep. Or do I want to live this uh, robotic structured life. And I don't know, man, I just, um, at the end of the day, I wasn't really good enough at tennis. You need to be that good. Yeah, You right. need to be a freak. How, how were you winning? Were you winning? Were you, how, how were you going at tennis at that point? Um, yeah, I was doing all right. Like I was getting better because I was getting taller, but I didn't actually have my growth spurt until I was 18 or 19. Really? Yeah, so I was middle of the rung height. Yeah. But I was still serve volleying, um, which, you know, it's kind of like an antiquated thing now. But back when I was playing, my coach said, keep serve volleying. You're going to lose, yeah. but you're going to learn the craft more. And once you grow, you're going to own it. Um, so the bigger I got, the better my serve volley game got. So I was starting to do pretty well, and I beat a lot of the guys who used to beat me. And I loved it. I was a really good competitor, and I still am. Yeah. So the... I was great at the the mano a mano mental game yep. and the like I'm going to kill you. Yeah, right. I'm going to take you down. I'm going to take you down. Yeah. So there's no doubt that that has shaped who I am. Yep. Um I've always been competitive. So ever since I was very young for you know my earliest memories is I've I've got to win. Did your mum make you play tennis or who, who, who was the one that kind of, or did you just pick it up one day and, and just loved it? I think mum put us in. Yeah. You and your brother? Yeah, my yep. younger brother who's two years younger. Yeah. Um, but mum is not like a, you know, Demir Dokic type. She's chill. <laughs> she, she was, I think she could have been more Demir Dokic. She didn't really, she was just like, did you play well? Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Did you serve well? She's not screaming at you to go harder nah. and go faster. No. Nah. Yeah. 
but she's an incredible mother. Like she's like I, me and my brother, owe everything to our mum, everything. Yeah. So she was, um, she put us in. She just wanted to give us every opportunity that um, she could. Yeah. And mum wasn't rich. You know, we weren't rich growing up. Was it just your mum? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got a dad who, um, you know, they separated when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and mum just did everything she could to to give us opportunities. You know, whether that's from piano to tennis to swimming. Yeah. You know, and then she was working as a nurse. And so she would work night shift as a nurse. And then during the day would take us in school holidays, you play um, tennis tournaments. Yep. So then she'd sleep in the car and wait for us while we played tennis all day. Yeah. And then we get in the car and then she takes us home and then she goes to work or she'd drop us at our nana's. And do you know what I mean? Like you look back on that. And you just think it's so loving and selfless. Yep. Um, and she must have been exhausted. Oh no, all mate. the time. Yeah. Oh, she's a wonderful, like an incredible woman. So you've got a great relationship with her now. Like, uh, you, you yeah. Have you always just had a great relationship with her? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. She but, seems amazing. Like you know, and I love the the text that you put up from your mum. Like she seems like so loving and caring. And yeah, she really is, mate. Um, she's. I play a voicemail. Yeah? yeah, you got a voicemail. <laughs> well, this is I'm living with mum at the moment. Yeah, um, I'm about to move out, but you know, you just get to know your mum so well, and she's always bigger on thunder and lightning. Yeah. So, I was playing golf on my own, like you know, last Friday. Yeah. And there was some thunder and lightning in Melbourne. Right. Very and, very frightening. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I got this from mum. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, funny me. Um, it's just that there's lightning out there that I can see. So I gather you it's dark. I gather you're not on the golf course. But um, anyway, I suppose you're at the supermarket. But as long as you're not out there while there's lightning playing golf. Okay, love you, bye. <laughs> she is so caring. That voice as well. It's only me. Uh, so yeah. No hassle. It's only me. Yeah, she's usually nothing urgent. Yep. That's how she starts. Nothing urgent. Nothing urgent. So um, when you said you had a sheltered upbringing, was that because your mum was just like, you know, cared for you two so much and kind of helped you with everything? No, nah, more tennis. Yeah. And because I wasn't going out, a lot of my mates weren't rebels per se. Yeah. Um, we were just busy with sport. Yeah. And it, that was after school, weekends, mornings, arvos on the weekend and school yeah. holidays, all throughout the school holidays. So, you know, two weeks for school holidays, we spent the whole time playing tennis and I still have friends that, you know, I see around and we just wax lyrical about how good those times were. So, yeah, um, you know, if, if I have kids, um, th- they're going to be playing a sport of some sort. Yeah. I did competitive swimming and loved it. Yeah, yeah. Always until a until a point, I probably got to about sixteen or seventeen as well, and decided it wasn't for me. I never liked competing though. Yeah. I was never competitive enough to be <laughs> a proper. Because yeah. I was a butterfly swimmer. Oh wow! And I was just never. I still swim, but I was never competitive. And so yeah. doing it by myself when I want to, mm. I go like four times a week, and I love it. But it's like you know, I don't do the. You can't do butterfly in a public pool. No, it's a hard thing to no, do. No, but you turn heads because not many heads. people can do butterfly. People can do butterfly. If you really want to impress someone, I can do it for um, three strokes. Yeah, that's good. 
Because you can still do it? I can still do it, yeah. But not as much as I used to be able to do. Like yeah. I can't. I can probably do like 100 metres now. Yep. And back then, I, you know, you do 400. Yeah. What, um, what for you, so when you actually gave up tennis, was that a hard thing to give up when you no. stopped playing competitively? No. Because no. you don't, it's not a binary thing. You think mm. you'll come back to it or there'll be, um, uh, you'll pick it up again. Yeah. But you, you don't. I mean, I still, I still play once a week, twice a week, and I'm playing pretty well. Yeah. Um, but look, you know, it, does, it did open a door for me. When I was 20, uh, I had an opportunity to play college tennis in the States. Yeah, right. And at the time, I was starting business, and I was going to do an MBA. And I got offered the scholarship, but then when I read the fine print, it was only a half scholarship. Right, okay. And it that still was a shit deal. Like, I still had to come up with like... I think it was nine. Th- it was a private school fees. It was like nine thousand dollars a year. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then again, I was like, should I or shouldn't I? And I looked at my stepbrother who was playing college tennis over there. Yep. And I, I, he was a bit of a nerd, and I thought, oh, he, he's too much of a nerd. I don't want to end up that nerdy. So, and also I was really enjoying my mates. You know, yep. when you're twenty one, twenty, yeah, you mates think for everything. This is my fucking life yeah these dudes are all i care about we're having the best time ever going out getting shit-faced every weekend (laughs) yeah 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 and you think it's um that you're gonna do that for the rest of your life so when you when you're 20 you're like i don't want to miss out on this so i stayed and do you know what it was the right call yeah definitely what did you end up doing instead what what happened after after yeah turning 21 Having those options, what 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 did you decide to do after that? Uh, so I finished my uni degree, which was in what marketing, marketing, yeah, uh, as bachelor of commerce, majoring in marketing at mm-hmm. Deakin, yep, Deakin Bill. Shout out. Well, so I like to Deacon say, yeah, yeah, I like to say the Melbourne campus, <laughs> uh, not the, but it is it is the Melbourne campus. It's just uh, one of them. It's just not in Melbourne. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not in the CBD. <laughs> no, it's on the Bill Highway near Knox. Um, <laughs> And uh, not even the trams go out that far. But, um, and then I was like, what am I going to do? And I was talking to a few dudes and I said, I'm going to go for like a gap year. Um, not that I didn't already just have a four year gap period because yeah. I was doing 12 contact hours a week, which yeah, is right. just nothing. I'm 31. I think I'm still in my gap year. I never, <laughs> I never went and did anything. Are you 31? Yeah. Dude, I thought you were, like, no offence, I thought you were older than that. No, no, I'm 31, yeah. Because, like, you know, you've been around. Oh, yeah, I've been around. I've been around for since I was 17, though. I started doing stand-up really early. And then, yeah, I just turned 31. So, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, but I'm still in my, I feel like I'm still in my in my gap year. Yeah? Yeah. But you're chilling. Yeah, I'm chilling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Dude, yeah. You're, you're killing it at yeah. 31. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I feel, I feel like I did a lot in my early 20s. Like, Fuck I did you, a lot of stand-up. You're spring chicken. <laughs> just, a, just a boy. You really are. <laughs> I never understood. And look, I'm just turned 40. Um, but I, when you hit 40, there is a little bit of that like, fucking hell, mate. You know, you, you it'll be good to take a few years off. Right. Yeah. Because you've been going hard for so long. No, just like, just for the whole, what you want to accomplish in your life. When you're 40, you're like, fucking come on. You know, yep. like most people have got like families, yeah, millions of yeah. dollars, kids, um, and um, you, I'm living with my mum. Yeah, but like you just gotta, um, 
But you did. I'm a celebrity. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I'm just like it's more just like what you, um, you you have a bit more of a touchstone with like what you want to have accomplished. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, because at no. the end of the day, whether you're 100 or 10 years old, yeah, uh, who cares, man? What you've done. So, um, just have fun and it's more for yourself. What do you want to accomplish for yourself? Yeah. I think people, if they're thinking like, I want to accomplish this so that I'm this standing in the community, that's not the right way to go about it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I just had a thing pop up because when I was at the cricket about four years ago, I was with these guys and they were like, how old are you, Ash? And I go, 36. And I go, how old are you guys? They're like, 42. I go, oh, cool. He goes, yeah, you're... They go, fuck you, man. And I go, why? You go, what I would give to be 36. You are the luckiest motherfucker in this, you know, arena. I'm like, why? And he's like, you just don't get it. 36 is heaven. Yeah. And I'm like, is it? He goes, I would... Is this guy, I, I just met him, he goes, I would cut off my hand to be 36. I go, no, you wouldn't. He goes, I would. I go, you're only 42. Because you don't get it. I go, look, I don't get it. And look, but as I turn 40, I get closer to that hand metaphor. Yeah, right. Okay. You sort of understand it now. I still wouldn't do it. <laughs> I think anyone ever should cut off their hand in front of someone else to prove a point. Well, that would be funny if there was a time like like big in Tom Hanks. It's like, I want to be younger. Instead of, instead of I want to be big, yeah. I want to be younger. And then you go and see uh, Voltron or whatever his name is. And he goes... You know the way it works. You want to take off six years, we cut off your hand. Just six years for a hand. I don't think it's worth it, Ash. I don't think you should do that. So when you were doing a gap year, so you went on a gap year. Sorry, what did you do in the gap year? Uh, I just went over and I started doing work at Fitness First, selling memberships. And yep. then I was like, this is shit. But the way I worked it out was you got a free month where you got to keep all of your commission without meeting any sales quota. Right. So straight away, I was like, you know, I've studied business. I'm just going to work for a month. This is a free free cash for a month. Yep. So then I, I did that, uh, left, and then I had no money coming in and I started talking to this guy. And he said, do you want to do some promo work, paying $40 an hour? I said, yes. He says, have you got, have you got a G-string? And I said, um, no. I said, what, what kind of promo work is this? Yeah. He's like, what's well, it? It's like hen's parties. I said, oh, cool, man. He said, um, you're, you're working with me Saturday night. So I did that. Right. And that was a big um, moment, really, because it was like just crazy and it was so far from what I'd done in the past. Did you enjoy it? I did. Once I was yeah. in my G-string and my um, diesel slides, um, which were not OH&S, i got to tell you, when you I slipped. I had so many UDLs that night. Yeah. Because I wanted to get jacked up beforehand. I had yeah, like sure. 10 UDLs and oh I was walking God. around in my G-string and my slides, um, you know, serving cabana and cheese in this tray and I slipped and the cabana and cheese went everywhere. It was fucking chaos. <laughs> and then the bomb... You weren't trained in this sort of area. No, there's no... The first time doing it. Yeah, there's no... You need degree. You learn on... The, it's like being a comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you can't learn that steep, can you? It's not going to no. help. No, but then I the the stripper turned up because we were just the um, you know the, oh, the entree. Waiters. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, so this guy, this fireman turned up. I didn't even know what was going on, and his he, fireman turns up. I was hammered, and I go, "What's going on?" He goes, "I'm I'm uh, my name's Vic." 
and I, I, uh, who are you, man? Why are you here? Because I'm the stripper, and I'm also the boss of the g-string company. You're working for me, and I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And I was so fucking tanked. I fell over again, and then um, I was calling him Dick. I go, is your name Dick? It's Vic. Anyway, Vic goes, you have a meeting with me tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I'm digressing here, but um, basically I, I lost my job for 24 hours uh, as a G-string waiter and then I, I spoke to Vic and he said, you can work with me again, Yeah, but you can't have more than 10 UDLs before you start. That was in your contract. That, that, that was yeah. in the contract. <laughs> that was a verbal contract. Um, so that's fine. So then I did that for... Sp- Six months. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. I did that every... I did two times a week for six months. Right. And it was a good exercise. That whole fucking adage, get uncomfortable. Oh, no, get comfortable. I was going to say, get uncomfortable being comfortable. No, that's the opposite. <laughs> get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't like that term, but you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, it's such an Instagram fucking trope. <laughs> get, get comfortable being uncomfortable. It's some fuckhead... And then someone just yelling, let's go. <laughs> let's people, go. People love doing let's that. Let's go. <laughs> no. Nah. What happened after that? Like you doing that for a while. Then I moved back to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, I started working in event management. Yep. Because it was kind of using my degree a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I then ended up starting a marketing company. Right. And I quickly... And it was going to be... Um, it was called Hot Under the Collar, and it was male yeah. waiters for hen's nights. That's great. Okay, yeah. And so how did that? How did that go? How yes, did that turn out? So it was going pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and then I drank ten UDLs. No, but it um <laughs> it was going well, but I, I realized it was too niche. So then right. I broadened the whole thing out to be an actual promo slash marketing agency, and we had uh, staff for brands all around Australia. Amazing. Yeah, it's actually a pretty sweet business model because you, you only pay people if they work right yeah so we had over so you're paying for shifts rather than yeah a, a salary for everyone that's it and yeah. they're all casual and they all have their own abn yeah right so um i set it up on my own i then started to get a little bit busy because i started to getting some radio opportunities yeah how did that come about i was doing voiceovers i got asked to do a voiceover at nova right okay from, from your marketing work, you... No, my mate was working in sales at Nova. He became friendly with the creative director at Nova. Yep. Who I then met at a dinner. Yeah. She then said, I need someone to do a voice for some... I think it was surf, dive and ski or something. Right, okay, yeah. Do you want to come in and try it? it I don't know if it will pay my pay 50 bucks, but just come in and then we can see it. And, yeah. and it worked. She goes, that was awesome. I actually have another one. Can you do this? And so then I did, um, I don't know, 10 voiceovers for Jade. Um, Jade Fakara and now Jade Benham, who I think she's quite a higher politician in um, in country Victoria. Right, okay. Um, and, and that's how I got my foot in the door at Nova. Right. Because through that, I then said, can I do the Casanova work? Yeah, which is the street team at Nova back in two thousand and six or seven. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then I just had my foot in there. Yep. And then I um I just kind of worked my way up and saw some opportunities, and I was like, well, if I'm going to do that, I need to learn how to do that. I.e. panel. Yep. I'm going to have to learn how to 
Um, yeah, I started doing mid midnight till dawns yep. and um, doing some, you know, just anything. Yeah. And then you, you do get opportunities. But concurrent to that, my marketing business was starting to build. We had some big brands yeah. like Lacoste and um, uh, Suzuki and we, we had all these trade shows and we were traveling around Australia. By this stage, I brought on a business partner um, who was really, really good and we were having a lot of fun. Yeah. And then I got offered the job of doing um, Husey and Kate and that's when it got too hard because I had to get up at four in the morning and then I'd finish Husey and Kate at 11 or whatever yeah, and then go into my marketing agency and I was fucked. So you were juggling all of that up until that point. You yep. were like running both. Yep. Fuck. Yeah. And then, but I always said to myself, if I get an opportunity... I will throw this away. Even when I was at the desk at Hot Under the Collar, I was like, yep. this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. Like I knew it was fun because I was the boss and I loved being the boss. Yeah. It's fucking fun. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't pushing, it wasn't utilizing every uh, cell of who I am. It wasn't. I can, I can. I can articulate that better. It wasn't um, utilizing my potential. Yeah, because you were. You were, like. I mean, have you always been a really funny person? Like, do you think yeah. you've always been funny? Yeah. And yeah. yeah, yeah. You look back on it, Sam. You know, people go because if we had a dollar for every time someone goes, "Oh, you're a comedian." Like, um, uh, have you sort of have you always been funny, or how does that work? How do you get into that? And you start thinking back two things in your life and mum brings up a thing in primary school when I was about five or six and it was a little play and I did something and it got a big laugh. Yeah. And mum was, even in the car back, mum said she was really shocked at how confident and, um, you know, I suppose almost like experienced and like I was on stage. Yeah, right. So then three years later, again, you look back on things, I was doing piano and we were learning can-can. That's, and you do it in front of all the parents and it's, a, yep. it's at uh, Malvern Town Hall. And, dun, dun, dun. and then I remember my um, piano teacher, David. David, I think. Yeah, David with a moustache. So David um, said, we need a conductor. And I said, oh, I'd like to be the conductor. Because <laughs> I thought this is... Another a I won't need to learn the can can yeah b I can fucking run it be the boss be the boss yeah she said put your hands up who wants to be the conductor I put my hand up and so did another girl called Dana so Dana and I had a conductor off in front of the class <laughs> what did that involve it involves you essentially keeping time with a monotrome okay and who can do it most in time with the monotrome while the class played Can Can poorly because they hadn't learned it then. But I knew that I could keep beat. Yep. And so I've hit it out of the park. David said, Ash, you are, you know, the uh, Australia's Got Talent. So um, Dana leaves school, <laughs> never come back. <laughs> Dana, or well, Dana had to go back to the piano with the table between her legs. So then Dana oh, was yeah. playing the Can Can. Anyway, we then have the um, performance in three weeks' time. Yep. I'm the conductor. And start, and everyone is fucking out of beat. Right. Out. Oh, and it's fucked. No monotrome. No monotrome. And I was running it. Like, 
David was. This is on you. David was nowhere to be seen. He wanted to not work that night. It's different shift. <laughs> David had already started the car. He was out of there, and um, and it's just again, you don't. This is. I think you you probably are born with this. So that we yeah. go back to nature versus nurture. Yeah. I then just yelled, "Cut! Cut! Cut! Cut!" I don't but not a lot of conductors do. No, I don't think you meant to do that as a conductor. I don't think you meant to say cut. I don't even know where I got that from. Maybe yeah. I saw, I had Saturday or something. You pick yeah. things up. It got a huge laugh. Yeah. Huge. And then we went back. I did it. And one, and two, three, one, and then one, two, three, boom, boom. And then can, 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 and then like um, everyone loved it. Yeah, you know, can can at the end. I got my tits out, and then no, <laughs> no but like that, you look back to things, and then yeah. the final one, Sam, is in year ten. I went to, um, I actually went to Xavier College, which is quite a quite a good school. Mm. Um, that was something where Dad said, "I want want to send you and your brother to Xavier." Yeah. Prior to that, we were at Campbell High. Right. Okay. And um, Xavier had you had to do a talk in front of the class, and we had Mister Ferguson. And uh, it might have been year 11. And I was mucking around in year 11. Honestly, that was the year where I was, you know, you're, you, when you're feeling yourself getting laughs, you don't care about anything else really. No. At, your whole day is kind of about, not that you're like obsessing about it, but if you've got a county or you've got French, you're like, fucking beautiful. Going to get a few laughs in here. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're and, thinking about that next laugh. Yeah, but you're just doing silly things and yep. fucking just mucking around. You're yeah. not listening. And I remember Mr. Ferguson's like, where's your talk? Everyone in the whole year has to do a five-minute talk. You're late. Yeah. And you had to choose a topic. And everyone just does boring shit, you know. And I remember – actually, it's funny how you remember things. I remember sitting at one of those big Macs at, at – um, our home, which only had like the CD-ROM of uh, Encyclopedia Britannica on it, uh, still which, great, still holds up. Yeah, just um, not not a lot of information on uh, Elon Musk, but no, it's um. So, and I'm writing this, Sam. I'm like, I need five minutes. Yeah, and I was writing it on the 1992 victory of Kieran Perkins in the 1500. Right. Okay. Your area of yeah, the swimming. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I wrote a paragraph and a half, two paragraphs. And even I then was like, this is boring. Yeah. This is boring. And I don't know, again, I don't even know why or how. And I thought, why don't I just talk about things that I want to talk about? So I had four dot points. Yep. One of them was coffee, which is weird because I I drink so much coffee. Yeah, you love coffee. And it was about how coffee is a ripoff and that we shouldn't buy coffee. Right. And that coffee really only costs 10 cents and the markup it's a incredible. scam. Yeah, 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 yeah. What are the overheads? Yeah. yeah. And so it was talking about coffee. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The other one was Neighbors. I was promoting Neighbors. Funnily enough, I ended up on Neighbors. Yeah. I was telling people that Neighbors is really great at the moment and you should watch it. So I was doing like talking about some storylines. Bit of spunk on. Yeah, I said Amy, um, Lance's sister, is killing it at the moment. She's got a new haircut. And honestly, 6.30, you want to you have your dinner beforehand. You don't want to miss this. You don't want to miss this. Like yeah. the storyline, um, you know, okay. shares his back. <laughs> and so this, I, I, I think I knew I was going to get laughs, but I probably didn't know I was going to get as many as I did. Yeah. And then there was a third one. So I ended up going for five minutes and I was just riffing yep. off nothing. And then the, um, the teacher, Fergo, said to me, Ash, that was incredible. Um, and he looked at me and said, if you had done that on time, you would have won the, the class award. And I said, oh, fuck. Um, so what? Because then like the top, the top ones do it in the, um, do it in the church. <laughs> church comedy always good <laughs> so anyway look that, that I guess yeah you, you go back and you go yeah you've always had that bent and then I guess when I was like 23 I, I did start doing some promo work when I was about 23 when right I, okay after I came back from Perth yeah I would always try and get on the mic yeah right sometimes there'd be mic jobs yep uh, and I would just try and get on the mic, and then you can... You knew you could do that. Learn that, and then, you know, you get booked for, like, these basic MC jobs. Yeah, yeah. And I would usually try and do something light. Like, you know, you think you're funny. You're not... Re- retrospectively, you weren't doing any jokes, but you were trying to do your version of comedy at the time. Yeah, Sure. Whatever, whatever you feel like that is, and the the instinct was always there for you, so you kind of knew how to get a laugh. When you when you started at uh, Husey and Kate, what was that like when you when you got that job? Was that exciting? Were you just super excited to be kind of out of the the marketing world? No, I I just thought it was um, going to be good. I didn't really think too much about it. Um, I had a mate who was working at Nova at the time, and he said, "This is really big." Yeah, he called me up actually. He's like, "This is a big thing." Yeah, I said, "Is it?" Like, it's not my show. Yeah. I'm just working on the show. Yeah. And he's like, no, it's big. Um, so they started getting you on mic? What? They, they started getting you on mic? Like, they started Yeah, well, that's the, the thing, show. too. I had a lot of people say, because, you know, I was meant to be just doing the panelling. But then they used to throw to me a lot. And then yeah. as time went on, they threw to me more. Um, and I kind of got a fair bit of airtime by just being myself. Yeah, yeah. So it was a big, um, you know, league opener per se for my career um, and to learn. Yeah. To learn from Kate especially um, and and Ed and Husey and, and Sasha and everyone who worked there. It's just when you do something every day, yeah, you, you build that muscle. So... It's like exercise. If you do it more, you're going to get better at it. That's what the people always say about getting rusty at stand up and everything. It's like, well, if you're not doing it consistently, yeah, you're not going to get 
you're not going to get better quicker. Yes. Yeah. What, what for you when, you, when you're doing Hughes and Kate, what was the next step for you? What did you want to do after that? Well, I always wanted my own show. Yeah. But again, Sam, so this is how we get to the stand-up. Because I remember having a conversation with the program director at Nova. Yeah. And I was like, I'd been doing weekend shows, you know, just back announcing songs. You know, this is Pitbull and after the ads we've got Lady Gaga. And, you know, you're having light uh, banter, I suppose, with the listeners and you think, this is comedy, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, you're thinking, this is a show. Yeah. But again, it's not a show. But at the time you think you're killing it. And um, I said to the PD, I said, mate, I want my own show. And I remember someone was leaving in the drive show or someone, uh, one of those morning uh, weekend breakfast shows was leaving. And I said, mate, can I do that? And he goes, yeah, we don't see a lot of like, you know, um, music announcers go into those roles. It's more comedians. Yeah. Like, if I work here, bro, I could do it. Put me in. Yeah. And he said something like, oh, we're looking at um, someone, I think it was maybe Dave Thornton or... Josh Thomas or someone. I said, what the, f- what the fuck? Because they're comedians. And he goes, yeah. I said, I, c- I can fucking do that. And he goes, I see, I'll, I'll, come, I'll come back to you. So not long after that, mm. um, I was talking to Tommy Little and he was doing stand-up and I said, mate, get me a spot. Yeah. So he bought me a five-minute spot at the Comics Lounge. Yep. I didn't tell anyone from Nova and I just told a story. Yep. A true story. Um, with no punchlines. Yeah. I, I don't even know if I got a laugh. I really don't know. But yeah, I th- again, sure. I thought I killed it. Yeah. And I got off and I, th- I thought that w- that was good. That was awesome. Yeah. And I went out the back and <laughs> like some of the comedians are like, there was a bloke called Ben Harrison. Okay. I don't know if you remember him. He was no. a school teacher. Okay. Um, he's, he just said, is that all true? I said, yeah. Yeah, it's all true. And they were like a mixture of like just bewildered and shocked at the, the, the yeah. five minutes I'd done. Yep. And I went, someone found out that I'd done the spot and then it caught on at Nova. Yeah. I then re- reenacted the five minute spot on radio. Yep. Um, and then we workshopped that five minute spot uh, with Pete Hallier. Mm-hmm. And then I redid it at the Comics Lounge and we sold tickets to it. Great, yeah. And that was when Ronnie Chang and Nick Cody were just coming up because they were on that show. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, look. And then I just kept going with it. And then when Husey and Kate um, finished, because Ed and I were getting itchy feet at the end of 2011. Yeah, yeah. I then didn't have a job. And I thought that I'd be given a job at Nova. I didn't get a job. Yep. And then I was just like, what am I going to fucking do? And I was sitting in... Uh, Chapel Street. I know Josh Lawson, the actor. Yeah, I was doing weights with him, and he said, um, "Do you, I've got a spare ticket to the Oscars Gifting Lounge in LA?" Because he had a, the short film, um, "The Little Death," nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, right. And I said, "What's what's the Gifting Lounge?" He said, "You get like, you know, um, hair straighteners and half price jet skis, like all these show bag stuff, like half price jet skis before." The Oscars. Right. I'm like, he goes, if you can get to LA, the ticket's yours. I said, that's a, f- I'm fucking coming. Yeah. Don't think I won't. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of packed up my life. Yeah. I got someone in my rental. I kind of, I had a property that I owned. Yep. Um, I had everything kind of sorted. Yep. 
Um, and Did you I, have a plan apart from going to the, the Oscars gifting lounge? No. No, just go over and just see what happens. Yeah. yeah. But I knew it was right. Yeah. What did you do when you first landed? We, I hired a red Mini Cooper mm-hmm. convertible. I drove, you know, analogous to my life, I drove in the direction that I thought was Hollywood. No maps. I ended up, I'd never been to LA. I'm wow. like, that's just crazy behavior. And now yeah. I look back and I'm like, you didn't know where you were going. You were going on what you thought was Hollywood. Yeah. And then I ended up in Inglewood, which is not very safe. Yeah, sure. And then I asked someone and he's like, you're way off track. Go back there. I ended up going to a place called Carbo Cantina with some mates at night, got hammered. Yeah. Got so hammered that we missed the Oscars gifting lounge. <laughs> the whole reason you went The whole for, reason. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, man, um, and that's when I probably started finding my comedy voice um, in LA probably took me six to 12 months yep. um, to just lean into um, just just telling things that I might not think are, are that interesting, but what, what's in my day? What am I doing? Yep. What were you, what were you doing day to day? In, well, I was working in a gay bar. Okay. Yep. So, so I spent all my money in three months. All the yep. radio money was gone. Yep. Then I had to I literally had 200 bucks. Yep. Was I going to go back to Australia? Uh, walked into a gay bar, said, you got any work? Started working there. I told everyone not to tell anyone that I was working there. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was talking to Ed and he was like, dude, these are, these are funny stories. You should yeah. do them in stand-up. And I was like, no, 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 no way. No way. Because I'm not like, that's embarrassing. I'm meant to be killing it. Yeah. And then for whatever reason, I tried it and it just killed. And it was... Comedy store, five minutes, and everyone like, you know, does does what is that? Yeah, does, does your mate work in a, in a gay bar? Who wrote that for you? I said, no one. That's all true, and I I do that. Yeah. So once you have the material, and it's all true, it's pretty fucking easy. You just need yeah. to go through it and find out what the funny bits are, and find that's out where it. you're going. Yeah, and that's what I've been essentially doing now for the last ten or. T- you go through a period, Sam, where you're watering, you know, to use a, a plant metaphor, you're watering the material more. Yeah. Um, you're putting yourself into situations that you don't know anything about. Yeah. And that's where the material is. And when you get money or you get comfortable, yeah, you don't need to do that. Why would you do that to yourself? Yeah, yeah. When you've got money, whatever people would say, fame, success – you're not going to do that. Yeah. So sometimes when you need money, it can be a good thing. Because mm. you're going to work really hard and you're going to find what you're doing when you're not actually looking. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm going to LA on Wednesday and it's like I've got some shit that I have to do. Um, you know, like the window tinting thing and I've got this, um, you know, we were talking about the nanny. That actually came up, up yeah. on your podcast first, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's probably five things that are all silly. Yeah. But I have to do them because I know that they're going to be funny. Yeah. Is that what you do now? You find that you just live your life and do things and get great stories from them? Because you've always got something going on. I mean, you're going, you're, you know, the story about you going over to LA for the 
window tinting championships. Yep. You know, you've always got something going on. There's always something on the boil. Do you find it like, you know, for you doing podcasting and everything, do you find that you now do things just for material? Um, or no, just- no. I, I, it depends. Like, I think if it's just for material, then like it's got to be fun. Yeah. And there's got to be, it's got to be funny, of yeah. course, but I, I, it's not just doing things just for material or you could do all sorts of shit. It has to be unique. Yeah. And often there is a, a time, there's some urgency to it. You can't, like the window tinting thing, I, I'm only just going to make it. I can't muck around. I've got to land in LA, yep. get the hire car, drive to Vegas. Yeah. It's like... Will um, you look at a map this time or you think you're just going to wing it? I'll look at a map. Well, this is the thing, Sam. It's like, I thought, it's funny how things work. When I first got to LA last time, obviously I was meeting Josh Lawson. Yep. This time I'm meeting his brother, Ben Lawson. Great. Another actor. Yeah. Who I said to him, and I, I didn't know this at the time, I didn't remember it. I said, do you want to come to Vegas for the Window Tinting World Champs? He said yes, and then I forgot that his Instagram hand handle is Benny Vegas. It's like I'm like <laughs> Benny Vegas, Benny Vegas, because he loves Vegas. Yeah, so uh, we need to get in that car ASAP as soon as yep. I land, mate. And you're right, we'll be looking at the GPS and um, you're gonna be podcasting over there, so yeah. you and, you're gonna keep in contact with Ed, obviously, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but again, there there is a reason for all this too you want to have you know i've written this book and it's not quite finished i wrote it over the last 18 months yeah it's essentially my best stories yeah that are la but i'll also shove in aussie stories as well but i don't have it the the ending i don't think i have at the moment so look maybe this trip will help me with the ending yeah as well as coloring some of those stories with some detail yeah yeah um so this la trip is also about finishing that fucking book and also working towards a new stand-up show great so it's not just meaningless um experiences yeah you've got to create something from it yeah podcasting is so easy isn't it like i wish i had a fucking assistant or something you go hey hey um I've taken all the best bits, bits of your podcast and stuff. Here's a book. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And here's, here's, here's your stand-up. Yeah. And uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Like, how easy would that be? Yeah. Well, it's just you talking. You know, you're naturally very good at talking. For you, do people expect you to be a certain way, do you think? Like, when you meet people, because you've kind of got this character, I guess, and you are kind of got a larger-than-life sort of character that you know people expect you to be a certain way. Do you think, you know, doing something like, um, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, was that was that... Do you find it hard to kind of switch off and just be like, I'm not gonna be that I'm not gonna be that person? Um Like is your comedy do you think your it's hard to be a comedy character sometimes? Like your comedy person on stage, um, or is it very similar? No, it's the same. Yeah. It's the same. Yeah. Um you know, you have moments where you're in fifth gear versus first gear, but it's still you, it's still yeah. the same car. There are some people who are completely different on stage to off stage. Yeah. I mean, you do a podcast with me or anyone does a podcast with me, you you check the CCTV footage. It's, it's the same whether the mics are on or off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's easy. I'm very yeah. lucky that I don't have to 
change anything. Yeah. And I'm a celebrity was more just to push physically and mentally because you're just so tired and hungry. Yeah, yeah. Um, Did you feel like you had to be on the whole time? Like, Oh, know? I yeah. felt that pressure because yeah. I was on as the funny guy. Yeah, yeah. And you... I was kind of like reconciling often, you know, at the end of the day or something and I, I know what stories I told. It's just the comedian in yeah. you and you're like... Yeah, I've got that story out. I've got that story. I've got. I could probably tell that story tomorrow. And you're like, I better not do that story again. <laughs> like that. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> I've, I've I've been on stage and going, Have I already told this bit? Yeah. You know when when it's when you're, you're stressed about it, you're like, I don't think I've ever told that bit, or or I feel like I've already done that bit, and yeah. then you get worried that you've already <laughs> said the same story twice. Well, yeah, in the same show. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I've never had that. <laughs> that's that's uh that's deep dementia. Yeah. Um, but um. Yeah, I think. But also, it's got to come out naturally. If you're going to yep. be telling a story on one of those shows, like, you just... It'll come out in conversation. There's about fucking 50 opportunities to tell any story. Yeah. There are so many fucking jumping off points. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I... I I was lucky, I kind of, with that show, I think. There weren't too many people jumping on my toes to to tell funny stories. Yep. Like Mel Butter was on at the start and she left and she's mad funny. She's yeah, a very she's so funny, funny person. Yeah. Um, but she was petrified of snakes. So, um, you know, that wasn't great for her comedy. <laughs> but she's so funny. But like, uh, there just was, I was just quite lucky with the casting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, Sam. It's like, there is a blessing and a curse, I think, in Australia by being um, a your own person, by being different. Yep. Uh, whether that's comedy or anything in the arts. Yeah. Because until you make it as, you know, as big as The Rock, people won't understand what spin you're trying to put on the ball or what you're about because they don't understand it because they haven't seen it before. Yep. So... Um, and it's a blessing because you don't have any competition because no one else is like you. But again, the if you're looking at like executives who are like, where can we put this guy or where can we put this girl? And um, yeah, so often they won't. They might, or they might not understand how to, you know, bring up everything that you are and and utilize your strengths. Yeah. Yep. Um, where they might know if there's you know, insert TV presenter and there's yep. like fucking 15 of them yeah. all the same. Yeah. They know what they can do. Yeah, yeah. They know the limitations and their strengths and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got so standard questions that I ask on this uh, on this podcast to, uh, to finish off the podcast. How long have you been going for? Oh, yeah. When, right. yeah. Uh, sure. um, so I've got uh, standard questions. So... Um, do, do we answer the? Do we get to the point of what you wanted to? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's all about. It's basically all about what you think made you, what you are today. And I think you're talking about your mum and, you know, and also like uh, you know the the competitive nature that you had growing up. I think we've really covered off all of that. Yeah, and I think you've got to keep evolving, and you've got to keep, um that whole thing about keeping curious, but you, I'm always curious anyway because you want to yeah. know things. Yeah, you're always um, active. Well, yeah, you go back to that Hughesy and Kate thing. It's like Kate used to say things to me and I didn't understand 
what the word was. Yeah. So yeah. I used to literally, I had a piece of paper with all the words I didn't understand each day. Yeah. And I would write them down and I would go home and Google the words so that I could understand the insult, you know, of what she, yeah, the, of the barb she was throwing me. And I'd yeah. go home and go, fuck, that was brutal. <laughs> But you didn't know in the moment, so it was no, great. But no, yeah, no. But, but, but again, it's staying curious and learning. Yeah. So that you can be better, and so that you can understand, um, you can have more tools at your disposal. Yeah, I love that. I love that you're like curious and keep learning. Um, what trait in people do you uh, find the most admirable? Is there something it's a great that you like question? The most integrity. Yep. Consistency. Um. Yeah, like the integrity one is um is I love the I think it was Naval. Did you know Naval? Mm. He um talks about integrity, and that's about when what you say, what you think, and how you act are the same. Yeah, and a lot of people don't have that. No, or the awareness that one of those pillars might be out. Yeah. Um, so I think people throw out self-awareness too willy-nilly, so I won't say that, but it's like, here's something for you. Maybe someone who's self-aware enough to know that they might not be self-aware. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very different from being like, I, I think when people are in a room sometimes and they don't really know how they're coming across as well, it's great when someone is in control and confident about who they are. You've always had that, though. You've always been confident of who you are. You don't really yeah. seem to change in any environment. No, and I can talk to anyone. Again, you you talk about integrity. It's like, how do you talk to people? Yeah. Here's another one. How do you talk to people who has, or how do you talk to someone who has nothing for you? Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I love that. Uh, if you could choose to be born into an environment, what would that look like? Was there anything that you think that you'd want to create if you, you know, if you were to have kids? Is there an environment that you'd want to create or is it similar to the environment you were born into? Um, hmm. Well, I really enjoyed having a younger brother. Yeah. Um, so I would always want to have a brother or a sister or a sibling or siblings. I think we only know what we know, don't we, yeah, Sam? Yeah. So I used to fantasize about my parents being together. Yeah, um, yeah. And I used to look at, you know, those perfect families in primary school and just think, how good's that? Yeah. I can't yeah. wait to do that. Yeah. Um, I, I just think you want to have uh, an environment that's loving – and encouraging. Yeah. And um, that's, that's, you can't ask for much more than that. Yeah. And um, what, what's something that you, what would you say you like the most about yourself? Oh, it's a, it's a deep one. I care about people. Yeah. Um, You're very genuine as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, like from very, when I met you for the first time, you're very genuine. Yeah, no, that's it. I, I think um, I there's more to me than meets the eye. Yeah. So it's 
I think genuine is a good, a good. I'm, I'm, I'm who I am 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, again, I'll talk to you whether you're, you know, Joe Blow in the sauna or a CEO of some fucking company. Yeah. I don't yeah. care. Um, I think, I think, mate. I think, I think I'm in tune with, with people too. And I mean, I, I, I do, I, I genuinely care about people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, absolutely. Yeah. You do. Uh, what's something you'd change about yourself, if anything? You don't have to answer that if you don't think there's anything that you would. Uh, I was going to make a joke. But no, I think um, there's nothing that comes to mind. Yeah. That's great. No, I've done. A, I've do, I do work. Like yeah. I don't. I do work on myself. Like you know, yeah. I. You do the work. Hundred yeah. percent. I'm. I'm. You know. In tune with. Life moves, so you need to move, with it, and roll with it to understand, the seasons and why it. You know, you need to understand, as best you can why things are the way they are yeah, and how you can um, help or make your life better by, by seeing, you know, the, the, the weather of life. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what uh, – or who influenced you the most? Fuck. can be career-wise or it could be, you know, in the family or <sighs> a friend. Probably growing up, my tennis coach. Yep. There's a tennis coach called Norm Meadows. Right. Um, and he was in Campbell. I think he's, I saw him um, um, last year. I was driving my car and I saw him walking down the road. And I, I always said to myself and, and my mama, mama, I said, if I ever see Norm, I'll, um, I'm, I mean, I've been meaning to go around to his house, but here I saw him in the, walking down the street. Yeah. I said, i got to fucking stop the car. So I stopped the car. You bolted the thing around, almost ran him over. He's like, who, he couldn't really see me because I was running towards him. I go, Norman Sash. And um, I spoke to him for five minutes and I just said, thank you so much for being so generous yeah. with, with your... Your care, not just for tennis, but for life. Because mm-hmm. he, again, I told you, we didn't have a lot of money growing up and mum mm-hmm. would pay for one night of tennis. And he said, Ash and his brother Cam can come down every night for free. That's so nice. Isn't it lovely? Yeah. And everything, he was just like so much more than a tennis coach. Yeah. And he was all about shaking hands at the end of every match, looking, you know, your opponent in the eye and saying yeah. too good. He's about being a man. Yeah. And having those role models as a young boy are really important. Yeah, I love that. Um, what drives you now? Like what, what, what keeps you going every day? Um, the unknown. Yeah. Don't you think life is like fun like that? Yeah. It's great to wake up and have like a few plans and whatever happens in between them. Usually the best moments. Yeah, you've got to have goals. Yep. So you want to be moving towards those goals and you also want to be living life. Yep. Um, 
It's good when you have those days where you put your head on the pillow and you think, fuck, today was a fun day. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, if you could pinpoint a moment in your life that had the greatest impact on you, do you, does anything spring to mind on what that would be? Probably going to LA the first time. Yeah. Because that was, again, a metaphor for fuck, fuck it. Um, you don't need a plan. Yeah. Let's just go. Why not? Yeah. So, yeah. You found your voice there and you found that you were, you know, with, with, with the comedy stuff as well. Like that's kind of where you first found your voice. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see, mate. I'm off of there again on Wednesday and we'll just see what happens. You, you may never see me again, but um, I think I have to come back because I haven't got a visa. But um, legally you have to come back. Ash Williams, where do people find you and everything that you do and how can people follow oh, your journey? Dude, I don't even know. There's so many doing a fucking... Ash Williams one on Instagram, yeah, I know that. Yeah, let's just do that. Yeah. Um there's so many fucking TikToks these days. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Uh, Ash Williams one on Instagram. Mm. Uh even though the algorithm is apparently way off at the moment. Um <laughs> what have I got to do to get a new follower? Um but um yeah, jump on. There the might be a stand up tour soon. There will be a stand up Tour, yep. Um, next year, I don't know if I'll do comedy festival, Sam. Yeah, but there'll be a stand-up thing next year. Yeah, great. And then hopefully a book too yep. next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've got the podcast too, Ash Williams Show. Uh, I've got Team Effort, but Ash Williams Show is my weekly one. I had I got a listener from your um, podcast. Oh, really? I forgot his name, but he said, I, I found you from Sam Peterson. Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, um, that, that episode will be very funny, the one that comes out with Dave Warnicky very soon as well. Yeah, I, I love, like, I genuinely love Warnicky. He's great, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's funny. He's very funny. He's very, uh, I used to tour with him. We used to do all the comedy things together, and he is so genuinely funny. No, I know. Yeah. No, he's amazing. Ash Williams, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Nature or Nurture for this week. My name is Sammy Peterson and you can follow me, sampeterson91 on Instagram. I also have a comedy podcast called Confessions. You can find that. The handles are Confessions, the podcast on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook. You can also just search it on your regular podcast apps. Please do rate this podcast Uh, I would love that. It helps get the podcast out there to so many people. Thank you to the wonderful Michelle Laurie and Matthew Tankard. They're, They're great producers and I couldn't do this without them. Please do share this podcast around. I'd love to get it out there to as many people as possible. So please do share it with a friend and tell the person that you just heard on this podcast that you really enjoyed hearing their chat. Thank you so much. Hope you have a good week and I will talk to you very, very soon. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.